This episode is dedicated to the memory of astronaut and artist Alan Bean. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Godspeed, John Glenn. Roger, zero G, and I feel fine. Get my feet up. Okay, I'm out. How does it feel for the United States to be the new record holder? At last, huh? When that baby lights, there's no doubt about it. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Houston, uh, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. That's one small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. Hello and welcome. This is Michael Annis, and you're listening to episode 256 of the Space Rocket History Podcast. And now, Apollo 12, Leaving the Moon. Continuing from the previous episode, Conrad and Bean are now in the ascent stage of the lunar module in orbit around the moon and on course to dock with the command module. About three hours after liftoff from the moon, Conrad and Bean saw what looked like a bright star ahead, growing slowly until it was clearly recognizable as Yankee Clipper. Al Bean savored the beauty of the rendezvous, watching the command ship drift silently through shadow and brilliant sunlight, intrepid closed in as if it were riding on rails. Here are the final moments of the docking maneuver. Okay, covering what? Look at the umbilical cover. Do you suppose that's what got hit by lightning or something with on because it's brown? Look at the top of it's burned. Yep, I do believe that's what got hit. No, maybe it gets burned by uh, other... Uh, probably ought to find out. That'd be a stupid... Why don't you move over to the left a little bit and I'll take a picture of it and take a look at it later. Hey, can you drop down a little piece? Can I do what? Drop down? Down. Yes, sir. Yeah. Towards the book. Towards where? Towards the book. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay, Pete. How uh, much further down do you want me to go? Well, get down so I can see you. I've lost it. I'm losing you now. Don't have me? No, get down towards the moon. You're going below me. Below the spacecraft. Oh, I think he wants me to... That's right, he's upside down. I'm sorry, when you say down, that's up to me, pal. I'm upside down. I said towards the moon. Sorry, I don't know where the moon is. No, it's right there. Now you see me? Okay, go, I got you. Okay. Okay, do your maneuvers. All right, let me stop my radio. Have you got it? I got it. Got it. Okay, you need to pull both rendezvous radar circuit breakers. Okay, wait just a second. Both rod- uh, the rendezvous radar in the right place. It's at 320, 0320, which is where it should be. Okay, got those out. Rendezvous radar breakers are pulled. Observer 44. Intrepid Houston, no. uh, if you get a chance, we would like that right. picture. We took it already, Houston. Good show. Only taking with our movie camera, but... The- Hey, he's got something sticking out around the top of him, too. We ought to take a look. Right up there? To the top, Pete? Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. I'm still on my checklist. All right. Hey, the overhead window. 
feed me the rest of that out. Okay. Turn the lighting to dark. Okay. Yeah. And uh, that's it. Okay. Here now I wait. Come. Why don't you take a look at that? Whatever's swinging on the top of the spacecraft is. It's probably part of the set package. I bet it is. I bet you're right. Yeah, picture way that. Right at the back. Get a picture of that. Yeah, I, I tried to. All right, Dick, I'm going to pitch over at 90 degrees now. Okay, let's go. All right. I'm going on the air. Houston. Roger, Intrepid. Yeah, this way. Okay, Dick, now I'm going to yaw left 120. Okay, go ahead, I'm ready. Okay. Okay, there's another one, too. Okay, first 77. I got first 77, but I'll do it again. Intrepid now station keeping uh, with the Yankee Clipper. We're at 145 hours uh, 34. Richard, you just set up the rendezvous target for me. steered Yankee Clipper to a perfect docking, as smooth as glass. The most difficult part of the Apollo 12 mission was now over. All that remained was to transfer rock samples and other gear to the command module, cast off Intrepid, spend an additional day photographing specific areas of the moon, and head back to Earth. But first... It was time for three Navy aviators to be reunited. Dick Gordon opened the tunnel to Intrepid, saw his companions floating in a dirty cloud of moon dust, and slammed the hatch back again. He called out, You guys ain't gonna mess up my nice clean spacecraft. This was not the welcome home Conrad and Bean had hoped for. But... They shared his concern for avoiding contamination of the command module environmental control system. 
Before Gordon would even let them into the command module, he made them take off their filthy suits, pass them through the tunnel, and Gordon hurriedly zipped them into their stowage bags underneath the couches. This is Apollo Control Houston at 147 hours, 12 minutes now into the mission. We're less than a minute away now from uh, reacquiring Apollo 12. And when uh, we pick up the spacecraft, uh, we expect that uh, Pete Conrad and Al Bean will be in the final phases of making good their transfer back to uh, Yankee Clipper. We'll stand by and monitor at this time. Uh, this is Apollo Control Houston. When Bean and Conrad were allowed to return to the command module, Gordon was happier than Pete and Al had ever seen him. He was scurrying around, helping them stow their gear. He was offering them a drink of water. And in that moment, Bean felt the bond with his crewmates stronger than ever. They had been through an incredible experience, and now they were together again. Years later, Bean would say, his most special memories of the Apollo 12 flight would not be about the moon or the earth. They would be about Pete Conrad and Dick Gordon. Bean was also coming home with a new feeling about himself. He was beginning to feel like a real astronaut. In his first moments on the ocean of storms, he had reached into the pocket of his spacesuit and pulled out a special memento he had carried from Earth. At the edge of the surveyor crater, he hurled it into the black sky. In a few seconds, it was lost in the sun's glare as it sailed into the crater. The memento was his silver astronaut pin, the one that he had worn during his long years as a rookie waiting for his chance to fly in space. It would remain on the moon forever. After all, Bean wouldn't be needing it anymore. The gold pin of a flight astronaut, a real astronaut, was safely in another pocket. Flight Director uh, Glenn Lunny uh, just quickly advised his flight control team uh, we've completed all of the work in the lunar module as far as we know and we're standing by at this time uh, for the crew to secure the hatch. We're at uh, 147 hours, uh, 35 minutes into the flight of Apollo 12. With rocks, equipment, and astronauts transferred back to Yankee Clipper, it was now time to jettison the lunar module's ascent stage. It's Apollo Control Houston at uh, 147 hours, uh, 53 minutes uh, into the flight. Uh, our two clocks in mission control, the bottom clock... Uh, Identified as ET is counting down to uh, jettison. We're at uh, 5 uh, minutes 45 seconds away. The top clock uh, counting down to uh, command and service module separation. The separation uh, by Yankee Clipper. And we're now 10 minutes and uh, 30 seconds away from that event. That was uh, Dick Gordon reporting from the Yankee Clipper that they're now less than two minutes uh, from uh, jettison of Intrepid. All three crew members now back uh, in the Yankee Clipper. About 20 seconds away from jettison now. 
guidance and control officer reports uh, that uh, the two spacecraft have uh, separated. We've uh, received no acknowledgement yet uh, from the crew, but on ground-based displays, uh, we did uh, read out the uh, jettison of the lunar module. And we have a report that the command and service module has now completed the separation maneuver, a 5.5 second burn of the reaction control system uh, engines. This is Apollo control at 148 hours, 10 minutes. Our LEM systems engineers report all systems on Intrepid look good after the jettison and uh, subsequent CSM separation. Just like on Apollo 11, the ascent stage was now deorbited to impact on the moon. Thus, it would provide predictable impact data for the ALSEP seismometer that Pete and Al had left on the moon. Unfortunately, there were communications problems throughout the procedure. This is Apollo Control at 149 hours, 10 minutes. We're now about one minute from reacquiring the spacecraft on its 34th revolution of the moon. Uh, during this rev, a major activity will be the LEM uh, deorbit maneuver. Uh, that's to be performed at uh, 149 hours, 28 minutes, 14 seconds. Uh, causing the LEM to LEM ascent stage to impact the lunar surface at 149 hours, 55 minutes, 53.2 seconds. Uh, the maneuver which deorbits the LEM will be uh, performed with the lunar module reaction control system thrusters. Uh, the burn time, uh, burn duration will be 1 minute, 21.4 seconds, producing a retrograde delta V of 191.3 feet per second. The uh, impact point is predicted to be about 4.8 miles south of the, of the uh, lunar module descent stage. We now show uh, 12 minutes 53 seconds until ignition for this lunar module ascent stage deorbit. Uh, one of the primary purposes of the maneuver is to uh, give us a calibrated signal on how a given level of energy is transmitted through the lunar surface to the passive seismic experiment. We have indications from the previous seismic experiment left on the moon uh, as to what sort of uh, signals we get from the instrument. We don't, however, uh, have a good handle on how a given level of energy is transmitted through the lunar surface. And it's hoped that uh, by impacting the LEM ascent stage, which has a known mass and a known velocity, uh, it will help us in interpreting previous and subsequent seismic signals from the passive seismometer. Our network controller reports that we still do not have good two-way lock with the command module. Uh, we will be trying to transmit in the blind to Dick Gordon. Oh, 12 uh, Houston in the blind. For your information, uh, for P20 tracking of the LEM module with the sextant, you'll get a program alarm 20430 when, when the LEM vector intersects the surface. Uh, with a verb 66 enter and reset the alarm, you'll clear that. Impact time at the surface should be 149er plus 55 plus 59er. That's when you should get the alarm 20430 and it's only the LEM vector passing through the surface. 
We're coming up now on two minutes, 20 seconds until ignition of the LEM ascent stage. That ignition signal uh, will be transmitted uh, via radio signal from mission control. The scheduled landing impact time is now 29 minutes, 44 seconds away. Coming up now on one minute until ignition, our LEM guidance engineer says that we're clear now to command the LEM. Houston, uh, one minute to uh, LEM ignition. Coming up now on 20 seconds to ignition. Ten seconds. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. And we have retro fire. And guidance confirms we're burning all four jets. Apollo 12, Houston, the LEM is on its way down. Roger, watch. 30 seconds into the burn, guidance reports accelerations look good, up to 36 feet per second. Total delta V to be gained, uh, 191.3 feet per second. Houston 12. Roger 12. Is that uh, still burning? That's affirmative. Coming up on cutoff. And we've had cutoff right on time. Total burn duration, 121, or 1 minute, 21.4 seconds. We're coming up on 30 seconds to impact. Guidance officer reports the LEM is going to attitude. Uh, we're getting good data from the lunar module at this time, and of course we'd expect that all that data to go blank at impact. 10 seconds to impact. Countdown for LEM impact. Three, two, one, mark. Lem impact. And we've lost data from the Lem, indicating we impacted on time. Okay, thank you. The planned impact area for the ascent stage was about four to six miles from the ALSEP. Instead, the ascent stage landed about 40 miles away. But, the combined length and severity of the seismic disturbance created by the impact was estimated to equal that of one ton of TNT. To the surprise of seismologists, strong signals lasted for more than half an hour and weaker signals ceased about an hour later. The effects were studied, as was all the data received from other experiments left on the moon. Now Bean finally had a chance to look out at the bright, bleak cinder passing beyond his window. It was so utterly inhospitable. Everything in the universe has some function, Bean thought. But what is the function of the moon? Is it to make the tides? The earth would probably get along fine without them. Maybe it was, as the geologist said, the moon is here to tell us the story that had been lost forever on our own planet. Maybe the moon would tell us where we came from. Bean didn't know the answer. As Yankee Clipper circled, he looked and now and then he wondered. He found himself thinking about the six-year journey that had gotten him here. He realized now, with his neck farther out than it had ever been, 
that life was too precious to spend it living by someone else's rules, even the unwritten ones of the astronaut office. He would be a good astronaut, but he would do it his way. As the moon bore silent witness, he told himself, When I get back home, if I get back home, I'm going to live my life the way I want to. On the other hand, during this time period, Pete Conrad wasn't feeling well. For one thing, he had somehow managed to come down with a cold. Pete asked Bino, How did I get the world's greatest cold on the moon? And Bean answered, Because you had the world's greatest LMP with you on the moon who had a cold. Where Bean's cold had come from, he really had no idea. Then there was the rash on Conrad's chest. He had a reaction to something in the adhesive that stuck the biomedical sensors to his skin, and it raised itchy welts like a bad case of poison ivy. Apollo 12, Houston. Hello. Uh, Pete, the uh, surgeon has some words uh, for you about your uh, sensors, uh, the sensor irritation, if you want to uh, listen to that. For Pete, it was almost the best moment of the flight when Houston finally told him he could remove his sensors. The next several hours were spent photographing future landing sites on the lunar surface, preceded by a change of plane maneuver 3.8 degrees to the north on the 39th lunar revolution. That maneuver was performed by a 19-second burn of the service propulsion system. The next major maneuver was the trans-Earth injection burn to get Yankee Clipper on a course back to Earth. As usual, the burn would take place on the far side of the moon out of communications range. Apollo 12, Houston, we show about two minutes to LOS and everything's looking good to us down here. Roger, on the other side. Very good, we've got a nice spot in the South Pacific all reser reserved for you. Okay. Apollo 12, Houston, we'll see you coming around the other side at 172.40, headed for home. Roger, roger, bye-bye. See you on the other side. Have fun. And we've had loss of signal from Yankee Clipper at 172 hours, 5 minutes. Commander Pete Conrad says, Roger, Roger, bye-bye, see you on the other side. Trans-Earth injection planned for 172 hours, 27 minutes, 16 seconds. With a good burn, we'll acquire the signal from Apollo 12 at 172 hours, 40 minutes, 42 seconds. We'll probably be a little, a few seconds after that before we get some voice. Without a burn, acquisition of signal 172.52 even. This is Apollo Control at 172 hours, 27 minutes. We're 10 seconds away from ignition time for the trans-Earth injection burn. 
mark. The burn should be starting right now. Yankee Clipper is behind the moon where we cannot monitor the burn. We'll get a report on it when we acquire uh, the spacecraft. Yankee Clipper's weight at loss of signal on this revolution was 34,163 pounds. Should be considerably lighter the next time we see the spacecraft after this burn. Duration of this burn, two minutes, 9.84 seconds. According to the clock, we're 50 minutes and 50 seconds into this burn right now. Yankee Clipper's velocity just prior to the burn uh, was uh, 5,320 feet per second. To this will be added 3,042.3 feet per second. We'll come back up uh, just prior to acquisition time. We're now 11 minutes and 50 seconds away from acquisition time given a good burn. This is Mission Control Houston at 172 hours, 28 minutes. This is Apollo Control at 172 hours, 39 minutes. We're 1 minute, 35 seconds away from the time when we should receive Yankee Clipper signal after trans-Earth injection burn. We'll stand by live from now on. AOS, we have acquisition of signal. Apollo 12, Houston. Hello, Houston. Apollo 12, the route home. Very good. During the 45th lunar revolution on the far side of the moon, the service propulsion system ignited to put Apollo 12 into a trans-Earth trajectory. The trajectory occurred 172 hours, 27 minutes into the mission on November 21st, 1969. Salutations from the foothills of North Carolina. This is Michael Annis, your host, and I wanted to say thanks for listening to episode number 256 of the Space Rocket History Podcast entitled Apollo 12, Leaving the Moon. Hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a pleasure to bring it to you. I want to give a big shout out to all my longtime listeners. Thanks for staying subscribed and extend a warm welcome to my new listeners. I'm glad you're here. In case you hadn't noticed, I have added more episodes to the Archive Podcast, and we now have episodes 1 through 64 available on iTunes, Google Play, and all your favorite podcatchers. Hopefully I'll get some more uploaded in June. Today we salute my Patreon donors. Patreon donors give a small amount monthly to support the podcast. Thank you very much, Patreon donors, who have honored your pledge this month. We're going to go for 100% retention we can get it this month. We got it last month, so we're going to go for 100%. Okay, I had several afterthoughts about this week's episode. I'm sure you heard we lost another moonwalker last week, Alan Bean, Beano for short. 
That makes two for this year. Remember, we lost John Young in January. Bean died on Saturday in Houston, Texas, following a short illness. His wife, Leslie, who he's been married to for 40 years, said that he died peacefully, surrounded by those who loved him. Of course, Bean was the fourth man to walk on the moon, and he commanded the second crew of Skylab. He retired from NASA in 1981, and he devoted much of his time to creating an artistic record of space exploration. In other words, he became a painter. I think he really did do what he wanted to do with the rest of his life after Apollo 12, as I mentioned in this episode. From every source that I have heard, Bean has always been described as a kind, easygoing, pleasant person to be around. And we will certainly miss him. The Space Rocket History Podcast sends its condolences to the family of Alan Bean. If you'd like to listen to his biography, I have that on episode 237. Okay, I want to credit my sources. A Man on the Moon by Andrew Chaikin, The Apollo 12 Flight Journal. And Apollo, an eyewitness account by Alan Bean. I spent a little time on the jettisoning of the lunar module's ascent stage this episode because I found that interesting. It would have been great if they had been able to actually see the impact. It must have really hit hard on the moon to cause all that seismic activity from 40 miles away. That was a hard hit. Do you think NASA ever considered keeping the lunar module attached to the command module all the way back to Earth? Perhaps to use as a lifeboat in case something happened to the service module. Hmm. Of course, the astronauts would still have to use the command module for re-entry. But it might work out okay. Hmm. Maybe we should look into that on a future Apollo mission. (laughs) Okay. I've posted some pictures and audio for this episode on my homepage, spacerockethistory.com. Hope you check those out. I was pleased to receive five new donations in support of the podcast over the past week. Mike S. donated at the Orion level in memory of Alan Bean. And Mike also earned his satellite emoji. Matthew T. sent in another donation this year, moving him to the Mercury level. Magnus B. from Australia donated at the shuttle level and earned his moon emoji. Ollie B., I hope I pronounced that correctly. If I didn't, I'm sorry. Pledged on Patreon at the Vostok level. Colin H. donated at the Sputnik level. So far this year, our Patreon donors are at 171, with a goal of reaching 218 by the end of the year. And our overall donors have reached 264. For those of you who are enjoying the content provided here and have not donated yet in 2018, please consider supporting the podcast if you're financially able. Keep in mind, Space Rocket History is entirely listener-funded, and I depend upon your financial support to keep the podcast going. 
To support the podcast, go to the homepage, spacerockethistory.com. Click on the orange donate button or the Patreon link. All donors are rewarded with their name on the donors page at the level they choose to donate. For those of you who have already donated for 2018, I certainly appreciate it. I have another surprise giveaway this week, and I'm not going to say what it is. Instead, it will be a surprise to the lucky winner. To select the winner, Mrs. SRH gave every 2018 donor a number. Then she put the range in the Google Random Number Generator and got the number for Mark Urban. That's Mark Urban. If you would email me, Mike, at spacerockethistory.com and tell me your address, we will mail this out to you. Okay, folks, that's all I have for this week. I hope to get episode 257 posted by next Thursday. So long for now.